Hi, I'm Steve Acuna, your host of the 30-Minute Sage, your source of practical advice to move forward through corporate and life changes. I come to you as a certified professional in change management and life coaching with over 25 years of boots on the ground and leadership experience that spans five corporate industries. This podcast explores the challenges of leading corporate teams through change with the audacious goal to apply techniques and wisdoms that go well beyond the workplace and into daily life. Along the way, I will share my successes and failures, my learnings and my truths as I continue to transcend corporate life and apply my personal mission to raise consciousness that activates the power of our human community. Welcome to the 30-Minute Sage. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to Episode 5, Nothing Personal, Three Perspectives of Truth, and the Power of Timing. Hey, before I get into the content, let's talk about the format of the podcast. First off, the podcast is casual and more like a conversation which cuts down on heavy production and helps me to focus on sharing and content. In this episode, I will explore the negative effects of taking things personally, how to check in with yourself to reduce self-doubt, and how timing makes all the difference for positive change management. It's my hope that you test these ideas and apply what makes sense for your situation, that process I call finding your inner sage. As always, I will share a takeaway for each segment so you have something you can reflect on afterwards. And please don't forget to send comments, hit the like button, and share it with others to help promote the podcast. Finally, the podcast is not therapy. Change management can be emotionally charged. So if you're not emotionally okay, please seek the professional assistance you need. Professional therapy has helped me and my family through tough times. So remember, it's okay to not be okay. All right, let's get started with segment one, nothing personal. Hey, in this segment, I'm going to start with a story. Uh, so years ago, I started a job and uh, I was assigned to a function uh, to do a bunch of project management work. And so I was getting to know the team and I was getting to know the sponsor of this. Uh, and he was happened to be the leader of this organization. So uh, one day I was trying to gather requirements and I had a lot of open questions about the work because I was preparing an agenda for an important meeting. It was kind of like a kickoff meeting for one of the projects. And so I knocked on his office door and I'm going to call him Jim. So I said, hey, Jim, I just wanted to touch base with you really quick. Do you have a minute? And there was absolutely no response from Jim. He, he didn't turn away from his computer. He didn't make eye contact. He was facing away from me, of course. And so, you know, I just kind of said, okay, uh, you're obviously busy. I'll come back later. So I stepped away and I had a bunch of other work to do. So I, I went ahead and worked on those, those things. And so I came back later in the day and I knocked on the door again. I said, Jim, hey, uh, I really do need to get your input on this, on this uh, requirements document. Would you have just a minute for a couple of questions? And he literally never turned away from his computer. And I was thinking my head was spinning. I was like, oh man, he must be mad or something. He just didn't look any, he, he didn't look like he was even phased by my uh, presence. So I was like, wow, I wonder if I did something, you know? So I, I kind of, I kind of strolled away and, uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I just was left to ponder. And so I, I went ahead and finished my day and I, I slept on it and I came back the next day. I had a meeting with him actually the next day. So I, uh, I went into his office and for the meeting, I said, I said, Jim, I'm kind of curious about what happened yesterday. He goes, what do you mean? And I, and I said, you know, I, did I do something wrong? Uh, because I, I knocked on the door and, um, you know, I, I asked for uh, a little bit of time and you just never responded. And I even came back later and, and the same thing, tell me what, what, what happened? And he started laughing 
you know, and he, I mean, like really laughing. He was like, he's like, Steve, it's really funny. Um, you know, it's not you at all. Uh, I actually just forgot my, my hearing aids. Uh, so I didn't know this, but he, <laughs> he was really hard of hearing. And so, uh, when his back was turned to me, uh, he just didn't even know I was even there, but it was so amazing how much, you know, uh, mental gymnastics I went through kind of trying to figure out what I did wrong. And I started thinking, and so of course I, I of course started laughing when he said that I was like, and I told him the story, it kind of bonded us at that point. I call out this, this, this particular story because it ties in with what I'm talking about, about nothing personal. So here's, here's the thing that I realized, uh, because of other experiences similar to that, it's like, you know, my ego has tricked me many times in thinking that everything was about me when it really wasn't at all. And in this case, it had nothing to do with me, but yet all of the thoughts and concerns and, and, and issues that I was thinking was coming up because of this situation was all because of something I did in my own mind. And, you know, so ask yourself the question, you know, when you provide feedback to somebody, uh, in this case, it was a lack of feedback, but let's just, let's just switch to like providing feedback. Um, when you provide feedback, how many times is it just that and not anything personal about the person that is asking for that feedback? I would, I would go so far as to say that, uh, almost like a hundred percent, I don't know if it's a, maybe 99%, a hundred percent of the time that I provide feedback. I'm not, I'm not looking to attack anyone. You know, and uh, I can't even think of a situation where, you know, I said 99, it's really 100% because I can't even think of a situation where I wasn't really trying to help the situation and it was about the person. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, using myself as an example, many times feedback that's provided, I sometimes think about what I could do, what I did. Um, what I didn't do perhaps that has created that feedback. And I personalize these things so much. And it's something that I've found that over time, I've really tried to unravel, uh, just, just unwind all of that and, uh, establish new ways of thinking, new agreements about myself and what I, how, how that situation truly is in reality. So, so why this is even important is, you know, most of the time I believe everyone is actualizing their views. And what I mean by that is that they're trying to think about how they can provide inputs or expertise that would help you. And I believe that in actualizing their views and how they can contribute, sometimes it leads to inputs that you allow to influence how you feel about your work and yourself. So somewhere the, the, uh, the interpretation of it gets mixed up. And it becomes much more about how you've operated as opposed to truly what's going on in reality in a situation. So now I'd like to kind of draw your attention in that concept to uh, another agreement uh, from Don Miguel Ruiz's book called, uh, he's the author of The Fifth Agreement. And this is his second agreement, which I, I just kind of, I love because they're very, very simple concepts. And this one is really about not taking anything personally from people, from individuals. And what that means is, you know, um, what they say and do is a projection of their own reality and what their own perspectives are. Uh, when you're immune to not uh, taking uh, things personally or taking on the opinions and actions of others personally, 
you actually find a peace that creates a, a situation where you're not the victim and you don't create needless suffering for yourself. And so I've really tried to work on this to understand how many times I actually believe that I am the uh, target of this, of this feedback in a way that's about me and not about just trying to help out. So this, this is a, especially impactful for change management, uh, given the level of risk that's taken in trying new ideas or even experimenting uh, when confidence really can be fragile. So think about how you're responding to the situation. Think about the feelings that you're getting when somebody provides you feedback, you know, and then unpack that a bit and recognize that it's not about you. Uh, in fact, it's, it's never about you, really. All the time, it's about, you know, how can this person bring forward, you know, ideas that can help a situation. Now, if it is about you, then we also have talked about that as far as gaslighting and situations that are much more negative and, and, uh, and destructive when it comes to the work uh, or uh, relationships that we have. So let's, let's keep that, uh, put that aside for a minute. I mean, that's, that's a different situation. This is when it's not about manipulation or a psychological manipulation. Okay. So I want to be clear about that. So that brings me to takeaway number one. When we stop taking feedback from others personally, we become free to be creative and confident without the hindrances of a chaotic life, self-doubt, or self-imposed suffering. So again, when we stop taking feedback from others personally, we become free to be creative with confidence without the hindrances of a chaotic life, self-doubt, or self-imposed suffering. So what do we do about it? Well, first of all, listen to the message. It's really about understanding that most of it is in your mind. And if you can back away from that for just a moment and clarify with yourself that really it's about the work and not about you, you'll find that you'll be more objective. So keep this in mind. When people are actually providing feedback to you, it's not personal. It's about the work. If you think that it's personal, then stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, why do I believe that to be true? And if you can reframe this in a way that helps you to keep objective in a situation like that, you'll find that your workplace and, and life in general just becomes a lot easier when it comes to the helping hand that people are providing and the input and feedback and knowledge that they're sharing with you to help your situation to get better. So practice it. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's one of those things that I find to be very satisfying and helps me in my life. All right, let's get into segment two, three perspectives of truth. You know, I talk a lot about belief and how important belief is for change management because, you know, if, if we don't believe in it, it's going to be hard to help others to believe in a change or an improvement or any situation, really. So it's important for us to understand where we stand when it comes to believing. In this particular segment, I want to talk about doubt. Uh, you know, in past episodes and segments, I, I've referred to doubt as being something that's critically important for us to overcome uh, on a personal level, on an individual level, uh, is really destructive. And the reason why I bring it up a lot is because I see it a lot. I see individuals that should believe in themselves. Uh, I see individuals that have a great product or a great idea or a great direction or approach, and yet they just don't really act on it because they worry that it's just not going to work. There's a lot of fear in the system or the fear of the way they think about the the situation and how it's going to either help or hinder 
And some of that is just really unproductive. And so, and it's tough because, you know, we're taught to plan for the worst and project driven type of work. So we are always focusing on the worst, you know, like what do we need to mitigate? What are the risks? What are the issues? And I think that's healthy. You know, I mean, this, it's definitely part of the work to make sure that we're ready for anything. Right. But sometimes it gets just integrated into the way we think about everything. And the belief system is really important to foster when it comes to uh, change management, driving change, you know, so how we deal with belief in ourselves reflects how others are going to either believe or not believe in the direction that we're setting. And so I, I think it's important for us to focus time and attention on that and to gain some a better perspective, you know, a better understanding of what it really means to have some doubt and, and explore that doubt a little bit more to gain some different ways of handling it uh, and, and getting through it in a way that's going to create sustainable change. So it's really kind of a product of cumulative experiences, you know, limited, limiting types of personal agreements that, that an individual has. And, and it all kind of leads to self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, which is also a product of, you know, feedback that's just unproductive from people, you know, that are really that. And we talked a little bit about that with the gaslighting and just really manipulation, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's about trying to find ways to create uh, and fortify you know, where we stand as far as our belief systems and direction setting. So I'm going to introduce uh, three levels of truth or three perspectives of truth that I'd like to kind of uh, have you explore on your own. The first one is the mind. You know, when we think about problems, we're always thinking about trying to create the best solution. And we have no shortage of mental gymnastics that we go through when it comes to trying to solve problems in the workplace or, or outside of the workplace. So in fact, our society is really driven by the cerebral nature of the way we work, you know, we research, uh, we take other people's ideas as, as, uh, as truth. And, you know, we, we collect things. We almost like create this inventory of information. And when people, you know, ask of us as experts, you know, what do you think about this? You know, we can spew out all this, uh, all these factoids and information about all this work that, you know, we've read, we've read other people's ideas. This is the latest, all that kind of stuff is really great. And I appreciate it. And it's, it's, it's very beneficial and needed. Uh, but it's not something that's a weakness in our society. It's actually one of our strengths. I want to talk about the next level though. The next level is about the heart. How does the situation make you feel? How will it make you make someone else feel when you are actually driving a change? And so from taking it from the, the, the mind, which is how we think about a situation to the heart, which is how we feel about a situation actually opens up different perspectives for us to think about what the emotion is in a system. And if, and as you know, from change management, those, those practitioners out there, if you don't address the emotional component of changes, you will be haunted by those emotions, right? Those are, those emotions won't go away. They'll, they'll fester. They'll be in a situation and they'll, and they'll morph and evolve into greater issues down the road. So you have to circumvent the emotions. That's why feedback from your audiences or individuals that are affected by change is so important because you're actually trying to bring that out. You're trying to learn about it. You're trying to ex express it in a way that helps you to understand how to move people forward. And we, we, we really kind of reference a lot of this when it comes to moving people forward through change and wherever they are, they're at in the change curve. We use the change curve a lot. Um, but this is really something that's important to really uh, build some muscle around. So taking it from the mind, what do you think about a situation? I think that we're well covered on that one. I think that's not a problem, but then what do you feel about the situation? 
take it to the heart, and then assess how you're feeling about a situation. Does it does it make you happy? Does it uh, does it create anxiety? Does it does it create some kind of uh, duress? Uh, do you do you, what is the sense? What is the feeling that you get? And explore that from the heart, you know, and take note because what you experience is what others will experience. They may not share this portion with you, but if you can understand it, you can plan for it and help people through it without having to ask. Sometimes you can anticipate. Okay, so the mind, the heart. And the third one, which is really uh, something that we use a lot of, of phrases around, which is like, you know, I trust my gut or, you know, my, my gut tells me X, Y, Z, right? That's the kind of stuff that, that we they bring into the knowingness. So the mind, the heart, and the gut. The gut, in, in many respects, the knowingness piece of it is almost like, you know, what's the obvious stuff? that you just know from the situation, you know, taking the, the, the mind portion, the, the mental side of things, you know, the cerebral side of things with the emotion side of things from the heart. What do you learn? What did, what have you learned? What do you know from that situation? Do you know that this is going to be an easy effort or a hard effort? Do you know that there are certain things that are going to have to be addressed just because it is something that the heart and the mind has through the expression of these perspectives has shown you? It's a really interesting one to explore. And it's, it's, it's a challenge to kind of express what it means, but sometimes there is kind of a knowingness about a situation once you've gone through the head and the heart uh, mindfulness exercise and thinking about a problem. You just kind of know there's certain things that have to be covered off, or you know that you need to just prepare a few more things around this particular subject. It's something to take note of because when I've expressed, when I've felt that way, you know, that I know something, I, it tends to make me ask more questions. And what's, what's interesting is when those questions lead you to the correct knowingness that you already anticipated. That's really pretty interesting. And I think that there's elements of the way we think about problem solving in this way that can actually kind of light up different parts of the way we operate as human beings. Again, the exercise is the mind, the heart, and the gut. This brings us to takeaway number two evaluate your change management challenges through the perspective of the mind what you think the heart what you feel and the gut what you learn and know to eliminate self-doubt assumptions and untrue personal agreements that limit your possibilities so try this out because this can help you move through self-doubt by gaining new perspectives as well as helping others through difficult changes All right, let's get into segment three, the power of timing. This is an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to tell a story really quick. Uh, so I left this job uh, a number of years ago and uh, I had an old boss of mine reach out to me and he showed me this uh, presentation and it was like, uh, it had a couple of my slides that I had used from like uh, two years before when I was uh, an employee at this, at this organization. And it was, it was funny because it was the exact slide. The only difference were, were the colors. And so this individual actually applied my slide to an effort uh, that I wasn't even a part of the company for, right? Uh, it was in the, uh, so it's interesting to think about timing in regards to change. I know at the time that I built that slide, there was a lot of resistance to the change. I had done multiple 
conversations and presentations to try to drive a new way of thinking when it came to this uh, more of a broader process change. And, uh, and it was challenging. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to express, model, and reinforce all of the things that I was trying to do uh, to show the benefits of the change. But it really wasn't until a couple of years later, after I had left the organization, that somebody had actually used it and applied it in a way that probably lifted it to another level of performance, which, which I'm grateful for, but just so funny that it would happen in that way. So timing is a big deal, you know, for change. And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes we have the best ideas sometimes, uh, but the timing isn't right. And when the timing isn't right, those best ideas aren't great, aren't the best ideas. And, and sometimes that's a really tough, uh, jagged pill to swallow. So the reason why I bring this up is that, uh, changes done at the wrong time can really bring out resistance, uh, but not the resistance that we would expect. Sometimes it's resistance about the timing because the business cycle is off. Uh, some other situation is happening. That's creating a problem for the readiness of an organization. Maybe even the industry isn't ready for it. Uh, but we see it because we're visionaries and we want to drive to those changes. Uh, but the timing is really a key component to making sure that a change or an idea or a, a something that's possible is actually actually has a space in the room necessary for it to cultivate, for it to grow, for it to actually f- be fostered by the organization, by the people, by the team, etc., by the individual. And so, so I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about timing and that story is kind of funny. And I'm, I'm honored that somebody actually, uh, took that slide and applied it in their way and, and took, uh, some, hopefully it took some credit for themselves in applying it. Uh, I don't, I don't hold anything like that against anyone. I think it's really great because those ideas are really the things that are the product of, of the work that I've done. And if somebody can use them, reuse them, apply them, then that's a, that's a success factor for me. And I, I appreciate it. So I'm really grateful that I heard about that, but it was kind of funny, you know, so what do we do if the timing is off for a change? You know, a, a lot of it comes down to what types of uh, situations you're in. Sometimes timing also is re- in relation to the resource availability to support the change. And so it's not a bad idea to be thinking about the previous segment when it comes to the change with regards to timing as well. So the previous segment was talking about the uh, the three perspectives of truth and applying the the mind, the heart, and the gut. Well, when you think about timing of a change, wouldn't it be interesting to take that exercise and apply the mind to it, the heart to it, and the gut to it to tell you whether or not whether or not it's a it's a good time for this particular uh, you know change or to really push for this change. Sometimes it might tell you absolutely you should be doing it now and you need to put more energy to it. Other times it might, you might come to the conclusion that you really do need to spend a little bit more time or wait until the next business cycle because you're in the busy, busy season where you're just not going to get the attention from people. So the timing component is critically important. And again, the three perspectives of truth can help you in evaluating uh, the importance of that timing. Okay. So what do we do if it's off? Well, Sometimes it's it's good to actually table something for a little bit until it's actually the time is clear or the the space is clear. Uh, sometimes things that that could be um, not even really considered as as challenges could be ex- exceptional challenges, like really difficult challenges. Um, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of weather issues uh, across our country in the U.S. 
And uh, sometimes weather is something that's not anticipated in regards to driving new changes or new products, or new, new solutions. And yet it could be the most fundamental issue for us if we have to close down an office because there's a, there's a tornado or there's a hurricane or things like that. These, these things are really obvious, right? The, the timing is wrong. Uh, obviously, the weather is going to dictate that. But if you think about the weather as just a, a representation of something that could actually create a barrier to a change or a solution, well, you should think about it in the same light. Uh, you know, there could be situations where your business is really about, you know, the the holiday season, for instance, and the holiday season is going to take everyone's time and attention. And for you to be driving changes that are going to impact processes or, or people's behavior, you know, probably not the best idea to do that at that time. And if you fight for it, it might reflect poorly on your judgment in regards to the business itself. Uh, there might be needs for change, though, in those situations. And again, I don't want to take the you don't want to take the the pedal off the gas or take take the uh, momentum out of a situation if it's absolutely necessary for the best experiences, even if it's a holiday season. But you got to really make sure that you have the strong sponsorship and the support necessary through organizations to support it. And it has to be well done in a way that's not going to take away from the the bare minimum requirements to create a the most positive customer experience or situation at hand, which is a, is within in that business cycle. Okay. So use, use, uh, use some perspective on that when it comes to those types of changes. Okay. So the key factor here with timing is to, to make sure that you're planning for it when it comes to change. Uh, sometimes the change, it's not about the change at all. It's just about the timing and sometimes tabling it could actually create a benefit for that change because you'll have better attention, better focus, uh, better resourcing and support. Uh, and it's, it's critically important to consider that. So this brings me to takeaway number three, when changes are made at the wrong time, it creates non-value resistance from impacted individuals which could have little to do with their personal beliefs in the change. So again, when changes are made at the wrong time, it creates non-value resistance from impacted individuals, which can have little to do with the personal beliefs in the change itself. Okay. So I, I want to emphasize that is that sometimes the resistance is really about that. And it's not about the emotions. Sometimes people believe in it. They just don't have the time for it or they just can't figure out how to make the time for it. And this is something as change experts or individuals that are driving change, we need to be aware of that and be practical. So again, a technique that I really recommend for this is to use the three perspectives of truth from the previous segment. Explore it through the mind. Of course we do that, that's part of our work, but then take it to the next level. Explore it through the heart. What is the feeling here that's created? What kind of feeling is being created if you were to use this particular timing, uh, the original timing, uh, and then explore it from the gut? What does it tell you? What's the, what's the obvious truth that comes from the mind and the heart together? Is it the wrong time? Because it probably is if you have a, a gut knowingness that it is. And so think about what you can do to plan for it at a different time where you have all the attention necessary to drive changes or solutions or just a direction that is that makes sense for the business and for the people and specifically for the timing. All right, let's summarize our episode. In segment one, nothing personal, 
We covered the limiting factors of taking feedback or inputs personally when it comes to your work to move people through change. I referenced Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Fifth Agreement, specifically his second agreement, where he states that one should not take anything personally from others' actions or comments, since this leads to chaos and self-doubt in one's life. The takeaway was, when we stop taking feedback from others personally, we become free to be creative with confidence without the hindrances of a chaotic life, self-doubt, or self-imposed suffering. In segment two, Three Perspectives of Truth, we covered a personal evaluation process to assess how you think about a situation, how you feel about a situation, and how to establish knowingness about a situation that stabilizes your conviction for a change or direction. This segment used a simple mindfulness exercise to assess how you apply your mind and think about a change or a situation, then how you apply your heart and assess how you feel about a situation, then you use the combined to understand and to determine what your gut tells you, which is what you ultimately know about a challenge or a situation. The takeaway was, evaluate your change management challenge through the perspective of the mind, what you think, the heart, what you feel, and the gut, what you learn and know to eliminate self-doubt, assumptions, and untrue personal agreements that limit your possibilities. And finally, in segment three, the power of timing, we cover the importance of intentionally planning the timing for change. In this segment, I referenced how important it is to consider all factors outside of the change that are impacted by timing, which can be about business cycles and environmental conditions that cannot be controlled. The takeaway was, when changes are made at the wrong time, it creates non-value resistance from impacted individuals, which has little to do with their personal beliefs in the change. Once again, thank you for listening in, and I look forward to you joining me next time. Mm -hmm.